Adam's Archive. Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to the Adams Archive. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening today. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the two single craziest events that have kicked off our 2024 year. The first one being that Epstein's documents, I think it was over 10,000 pages of legal documents were just dropped over four different days, listing off the names of several, several people Almost all of them we've talked about here. I've done, you know, more than a year ago, I did a serious deep dive into all the Epstein documents, the flight logs, the black book. I posted it all. It's on my Substack. You can go find it right now. But there's some things that I don't think that we knew yet that came out about this. Not that much, though. There was a few names. There was a few really scathing words that came out, some about Bill Clinton, some about Stephen Hawking. Hmm. Some really interesting stuff. So we're going to dive into all of that. What were the most notable things that were discussed about this? Who were the five most important or powerful people that were on this list? And then we'll go through the list in its entirety of the names. And I'll see how fast I can do it for you because it was a lot. <laughs> After that, we're going to jump into another topic, which was that there was a bunch of a, a bigger police presence than you've seen at every school shooting, at every Black Lives Matter protest riot at every January 6th combined at a single shopping mall. And apparently it was because these kids were having fights with sticks and fireworks. Four children, four kids having, you know, violent acts with sticks. But some people are saying that wasn't the actual reason why. Some people are saying that there was eight to ten foot tall beings that were attacking people. Now, it's kind of a weird situation because there wasn't very much video evidence that came from the ground, and there wasn't very many people talking about what happened on the inside. You know, today, you have a Karen going off on a manager at Wendy's, and there's always going to be a video of it. But we don't have any video footage of this, so it's pretty weird. But some people, which would lead us to our deep dive for today, have said that they believed this to be the Nephilim. If you don't know what the Nephilim is, that is the ancient biblical beings that are said to be extremely large individuals, and we will dive into a whole deep dive of what those beings were, the passages from the ancient and biblical texts that they were mentioned in, and some more recent discussions around them from even Tucker Carlson potentially alluding to these beings. So all of that and more, make sure you stick around subscribe, leave a five-star review, head over there, do it right now. If it's your first time listening, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. If it's your second time listening and you're still not subscribed, come on, go ahead and hit that button. If it's your first time, I forgive you, but I really don't because it just takes two seconds. Go ahead and hit it right now and you'll be having conversations just like this every single week, just like we're having now and you're going to love it. So if you've been here for a while, or even if it's your first time, and you're like, man, this guy just sounds awesome, go ahead and leave that five-star review, all right? Uh, it's the only way that I can get feedback from you guys, and it's the only way that you can help me get up in the rankings when it comes to the podcast space. Um, head over to YouTube. You can actually watch the video, see my beautiful face talking about all these things. See me uh, actually pull up the articles right alongside me here, here, uh, when I'm talking about those. And uh, watch the video clips with me and to see my real reactions. So head over to YouTube, The Adams Archive, find the channel there, and I'll see you there. All right, all of that and more. But, and uh, 
not, but first, that's what I got for you. Let's jump into it. The Adams Archive. All right. So the very first topic that we're going to discuss today is going to be that there was the single largest document release regarding Epstein. It happened over four days. And to me, this wasn't a huge deal. What I like about it is the fact that it brought attention back to the Epstein situation. Now, some people are arguing one way or the other whether that's a good thing, whether it's a distraction from other things that are going on, whether it's an attempt to heighten the tensions of 2024 already leading up to the election cycle. I don't know. I think that it's probably just a situation where there was a legal court judge that decided they were going to release these documents and then it just reignited the whole Epstein situation. I think that's probably the most likely situations here. I don't think it's a huge distraction. I don't think that these people want to throw everybody under the bus. But what I do know is that almost everybody who was on this list was already named. We already knew these names. We already knew about Prince Andrew. We already knew about Bill Clinton. We already knew about Kevin Spacey. We already knew even Stephen Hawking. We already knew these names. Right, this isn't very much of this was already out there. Now, there were some details and some snippets that have gone viral that have had more of an emphasis on them as a result of these documents, but I don't think that it was anything earth-shattering. So the first thing I want to do for you here, I want to list the... Let's see. Let me pull it up for you here. I want to list the 90 names. I want to list the 90 names that were on the Epstein list in as quick as fashion as possible for you. So the 90 names in 90 seconds that were on Epstein's list for you, and I'll speak fast, so try and keep up. <laughs> but I just wanna throw all these names out for you because everybody's like, where's the list? Where's the list? Where's the list? I don't see a list, I just see documents. Well, here you go. Here is the 90 names that were listed in 90 seconds. You can time me, I'm not exactly sure. Let's see, all right, we're at two minutes and 16 seconds, two minutes and 20 seconds will begin. Ghislaine Maxwell, Virginia Lee Roberts Garuff, Kathy Alexander. Okay, wait, 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 let's go back. <laughs> Seeing that Virginia Garuff's name is on this list, I do want you to know that this list is not just the perpetrators. This list was, and this came out, there was like 170 names. It's like, no, this list is not just the names of the people that were the perpetrators. This list, Virginia Garuff is the one who's Legal case is the reason that this came out. And that's probably why she's number two on here behind Ghislaine Maxwell, because it was Virginia Garuff's legal case against Ghislaine Maxwell. So now that I've preempted that here, I will point out to you within this list some of the names that maybe were a little bit newer, but were always a part of this conversation we've been having for a while. So here we go. Ghislaine Maxwell, Virginia Garuff, Kathy Alexander, Miles Alexander, James Michael Ostrich, Philip Barden, redacted, number seven, Kate Blanchett, David Boyce, Laura Booth, of Evelyn Boulette, 
Rebecca Boylan, Josh Brunner, Naomi Campbell, Carolyn Casey, Paul Cassell, Sharon Churcher, Bill Clinton, David Copperfield, Alexandra Cousteau, Cameron Diaz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Alan Dershowitz, Mr. Mona Devison, Redacted, Bradley Edwards, Amanda Allison, Kimberly Espinoza, Jeffrey Epstein, Ann Farmer, Marie Farmer, Alexander Fakai, Crystal Figueroa, Anthony Figueroa, Luis Ferra, Eric Ganny, Meg Garvin, Sheridan Gibson Butt, Robert Garuff, Al Gore, Ross Bow, Fred Graff, Philip Grudirin, Redacted, Shannon Harrison, Stephen Hawking, Virginia Her- Victoria ha- Hazel, Brittany Henderson, Brett Jaff, Michael Jackson, Carol Roberts Kess, Dr. Karen Kudikoff, Peter Listerman, George Lucas, Tony Lyons, Bob Meister, Jamie Melanson, Lynn Miller, Marvin Minsky, Redacted, David Mullen, Joe Pagano, Mary Paluga, J. Stanley Pottinger, Joseph Ricari, Michael Ryder, Jason Richards, Bill Richardson, Sky Roberts, Scott Rothstein, Forrest Sawyer, Doug Schodel, Kevin Spacey, Cecilia Stein, Mark Tafoya, Brent Tyndall, Kevin Thompson, Donald Trump, Ed Tuttle, Emma Vagan, Kimberly Vaughn Edwards, Crescenda Valdez, Anthony Velardes, Martinez Velasquez, Vicky Ward, Jared Weinsfeld, Courtney Weil, Bruce Willis, Daniel Wilson, Andrew Albert, Christians Edwards, Duke of York. There you go. There's your 90 names. Now, again, this is not the client list, right? This is a list of individuals that were a part of the documents in general, okay? So some of those people could have been victims. Some of those people could have been listed for other reasons. But we know some of those names. Not even all of those names are the ones that are, the you know, have been brought up in the past. There's some really wild ones that have been brought up too. However, I would like to note that there were some ones that stuck out to me. David Copperfield was one that I don't remember exactly discussing surrounding this. And he's been a big conversation starter around this. Another one is Al Gore. I don't remember Al Gore being another part of this before, from before the conversation. And then another one is who has actually spoken out now is Cameron Diaz has come out to speak out against her name being on the list. Cameron Diaz came out and said that she has had never had any association whatsoever with Jeffrey Epstein. Well, my question would be, where did her name come up on these documents? Which I guess we, we could probably look a little bit further to see the actual legal documentation that has been brought up. But that's a we could dive into that in just a second here. So there are the 90 names of the individuals. Now, let's see if there's anybody who commented on this. Let's go ahead and see. Somebody said these names were taken from transcripts of evidence given during Maxwell's trial. Being named means nothing without context. And even with context, the only thing it might spark is a police investigation into a name which is associated with a given incident or set of behaviors. All right. (laughs) I just saw the greatest thing about Stephen Hawking. And I'm going to hold on to that because we're going to talk about Stephen Hawking in depth in just a minute. (laughs) So I'm going to hold on to that one. So let's, let's segue into this. Okay, now, another thing that's happened more recently is, I believe his name is Andrew. Andrew Epstein has come out and did an interview with Tucker Carlson. Let me see if I can pull that up. Andrew Epstein, being the brother of Jeffrey Epstein, said that he no longer believes that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. And so let's see if we can pull this up. Andrew Epstein, Tucker Carlson. All right. And so 
the reason that this is substantial is because Andrew Epstein is the only family that Jeffrey Epstein has. He's the only person that they should have been contacting as a result of this. Now, maybe I got Mark Epstein. There we go. Mark Epstein is the name. Um, not Andrew. Maybe I was thinking Prince Andrew for other reasons involved with Jeffrey Epstein. But I digress. So let's go to the TuckerCarlson.com, to the Tucker Carlson Network, and read this. It says, oh, he did a whole episode with him where he had a discussion with his brother, which I'm sure would be very interesting. So if you want to watch that, head over to TuckerCarlson.com. But it's 26 minutes, and I'm not going to drag you through all of that. So that was the situation is that Andrew or Andrew again, Mark Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein's brother did a interview with with Tucker Carlson and said that he no longer believes that his brother Jeffrey was the person was, was attempted suicide or committed suicide. He believes that there's something more nefarious about the situation like everybody else in the world to be fair. There's a fair amount of people who too believe I believe it was even Megan Kelly came out just the last few days and said that we would be hearing from Jeffrey. She's so to pre, what she said is that we're going to be hearing a lot more about Jeffrey Epstein. Megan Kelly said, we're going to be hearing not only a lot more about him or his case or the situation, but we're actually going to be hearing from Jeffrey Epstein himself this year, said Megan Kelly. Now I'm not sure what that means to me. That means that he's alive and well, and is willing to speak out, or at least maybe there's some files or videos that he has that were maybe some sort of, uh, I don't know, lost videotapes of him speaking about this honeypot situation. And I think that's a, a deeper conversation that we should get into now is, is it seems to be somewhat of a misconception for people who haven't been following this for, for as long as I have been in depth. I followed day by day, word by word, the Glenn Maxwell trials, even prior to that with Jeffrey Epstein went into the black book. I have it on my Substack, austinadams.substack.com. You can go in there, go back through the files and find the black book for Jeffrey Epstein, where it has the names and phone numbers of all of his associates, every known contact that he had in this book with their phone numbers. Okay. But anyways, there's a lot of people who are being privy to this situation now, who maybe weren't before, who don't understand the background. I mean, there's a lot of people who were following this this whole time who maybe just thought, oh, it's just a bunch of elite pedophiles who are sick individuals and and they just have a, a proclivity to underage individuals and they're just disgusting pedophiles. And, and yes, you would be correct. But also the reason that the, 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 the it goes much deeper than that. Jeffrey Epstein and I'll give you the synopsis fairly quickly. Jeffrey Epstein was with Ghislaine Maxwell. Okay. Now, Jeffrey Epstein, the financier, but but very little people know where he got his money from or his funding to be a financier, right? And so the speculation is that in the correlation, the, the connections here is that Jeffrey Epstein with Ghislaine Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell's dad was an agent of the Mossad. And the Mossad is the CIA of Israel, essentially. And they're well known as the single most, the, the, the single most powerful and capable intelligence agency in the world, even more than the CIA, which should concern you in and of itself. But the ties between Ghislaine Maxwell and the Mossad cannot be ignored. Her father was an agent of the Mossad, 
which leads me to believe that there's some connection here. Although in, in background piece for her father is that her father actually got pushed off of a yacht and murdered. It was called an accident, I guess. So I can't say was murdered, but the, the, the official thing is that it was an accident. But he fell off of a yacht and died. And that was the way that he died, which is a super mysterious, weird way to die, especially for such a high profile, high net worth individual especially one associated with a foreign entity's intelligence community, you know, but I digress. So the situation is that the, the ties between Jeffrey Epstein and the Mossad cannot be ignored. So you take that to its extent and, and what people have realized now and what we actually know from these documents that came out now is that not only was Jeffrey Epstein tied to Mossad, but there was court documents stating blatantly that this was a blackmail scheme to get Hollywood elites, to get powerful politicians, to get people within this, the highest levels of science and education to go and partake in these horrific activities and then to have the video evidence of them doing so so that it could be used against them at will by foreign entities. Now, whether it's just the Mossad, which is what I believe, or whether it goes further than that, which it very well may, because now we know that the CIA allegedly found all of these videotapes, and then they all went mysteriously missing. All of the videotapes that they found, all the blackmail evidence, all of the VHS tapes of these horrific acts happening by these famous elite individuals suddenly went missing. How weird is that? You know, after it had been raided by the CIA, I believe. So this is much deeper than just some guy with lots of money feeding elites what they're looking for. This is this is a high-level intelligence agency act by a foreign entity being the Mossad of Israel. The same Israel. Now this is this is what should infuriate you more than almost anything about the Epstein situation is that you are funding what happened on Epstein Island. Did you know that? You are funding what happened on Jeffrey Epstein's island? Because the individuals who were behind Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell, and Maxwell's father was the Mossad, the intelligence community behind Israel. And the Mossad had all of this blackmail done on all of the most powerful people in the world so that they could control your reality from the movies that you watch to the universities that you go to to the scientific journals that you probably don't read to the politicians who make the de decisions on whether or not where our tax dollars go, the laws that are passed, who is, who, is, who is allowed to walk free through presidential you know, signatures, all of that is being decided through blackmail, through these honeypot schemes. And a honeypot scheme is basically where you send somebody who's extremely attractive to somebody who's in a position of power, and then you blackmail them by finding some video, photo, text message evidence of them doing something that they shouldn't be doing. It's a well-known tactic. And it was executed perfectly by an organization that you are funding. We are currently sending tax dollars to Israel. Israel's intelligence agency is the Mossad. Hmm. So you're telling me that our tax dollars were going to fund the very organization that was conducting these types of blackmail, these types of blackmail on elites on Jeffrey Epstein's island? 
Yes. Yes. That is what I'm telling you. And if that doesn't disgust you, you should get your head checked. So that's a weird realization to me, right? However, let's move on here because there's some big names that we can discuss surrounding this. And I could go on and on and on about this honeypot scheme, but I, I, I believe that's exactly what happened. I still don't, I'm still not convinced, I should say. I'm still not convinced that Jeffrey Epstein's dead. I'm not. You can't convince me of that because there's no evidence. Just the same way that they brought in, if you go back to the JFK files, when JFK died, they brought in their own autopsy officials. They kicked everybody else out of the room. They brought on their own in their own autopsy officials and had their own private autopsy done with nobody around. And it was funded by the very same organization who's allegedly the ones who conducted the assassination. Now, would you imagine that in a situation where Jeffrey Epstein was in cahoots with these intelligence organizations, that those very organizations were able to sneak him out the back door and put a body in a room and then sneak in an autopsy official to write the death certificate and say that it was Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, and by the way, it was also a suicide. Oh, and by the way, these cameras that are literally everywhere in this jail just, just weren't working. Oh, and by the way, the security footage and the security guards that were supposed to be on, on duty at the time fell asleep and they didn't even sign the documents that they were supposed to sign at the time that they were supposed to be there. Hmm. That's interesting. Very interesting. So I'm not convinced that he's dead. There's been footage that has circulated about somebody who looked like him, but it looked like it was filmed on a potato. So I don't believe that may have, you know, could have, could have not been him. I believe it was actually footage from the island that was released more recently. So let's look at some of these names that came up here. Now that you understand a little bit of the background of what this was and why nobody's being prosecuted. Well, nobody's being prosecuted because it was probably at the very least and generously to say the word entrapment because these people, I, you could never get anybody that I know to do these types of things. You can never get me to do these types of things. So I don't think entrapment is the right word, but I think that they're afraid that if they would actually go after anybody that was on Epstein's list, if they went after anybody that was on Epstein's list, it would come full circle back around that the ones actually behind Epstein were the very intelligence agencies that our tax dollars are going to fund, whether it be the CIA or the Mossad. That's all I'm saying. All right, so here are the top five individuals, the top, not the top five, but the top five most powerful individuals that were on the most recent Epstein documents, starting with number five, Alan Dershowitz, a constitutional law professor at Harvard Law School and one-time impeachment lawyer for former President Donald Trump, Alan Dershowitz is well-known in media circles, but his name also appears repeatedly in now-unsealed documents linked to the Jeffrey Epstein investigation. According to a 2014 court filing in the U.S. District Court Southern District of Florida, Epstein instructed Jane Doe No. 3 to have sexual relations with Dershowitz on numbers, numerous occasions while she was a minor, not only in Florida, but also on private planes in New York, New Mexico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. In addition to being a participant in the abuse of Jane Doe number three and other minors, let me share this with you if you're on YouTube with me so you can actually see what I'm looking at here. This article comes from the Christian Post. All right. 
Tuesday, January 4th. So it says that in addition to being a participant in the abuse of Jane Doe and other minors, Dershowitz was an eyewitness to other sexual abuse of many other minors by Epstein and several Epstein co-conspirators, the court filing alleges. The filing also claims Dershowitz helped negotiate an agreement that provided immunity from federal prosecution in the Southern District of Florida, not only to Epstein, but also any potential co-conspirators of Epstein, including himself. Now, this is one of the most egregious things about this ever about Epstein is that Alan Dershowitz, the lawyer... And if we go back, the former lawyer of pre the, the impeachment lawyer for President Donald Trump um, was involved in getting immunity for every one of the co-conspirators in the state of Florida and properly executed this. And they tried to hide the evidence of this, uh, this deal. Completely. They tried to make sure that nobody knew that Epstein's co-conspirators would be getting off under the name of, under the guidance of Alan Dershowitz. So thus, Dershowitz helped negotiate an agreement with a provision that provided protection for himself against criminal prosecution in Florida for sexually abusing Jane Doe number three. Now, this wasn't outright said within the time because he just said anybody, any of his co-conspirators was what he negotiated this, this uh, agreement. Um, but he was included in that, little did they know, which seems like a conflict of interest. Uh, Dershowitz, in a YouTube live stream following the release of the Epstein files, acknowledged flying on the Lolita Express and his presence on the Epstein list. Of course I'm on that list. I was his lawyer. I flew on his plane, said Dershowitz. I had an innocent relationship with a man who I didn't know. Nobody suspected had done anything wrong. Yeah. Okay, Dershowitz. All right. Number four. As this list pulls up here. Number four is going to be none other than dun, 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 dun. come on, load the Christian post. Wow, that's brutal. You'd think I would internet from a third world country. Bill Richardson. So number four on this list is Bill Richardson. Former U.S. Congressman, Ambassador, Secretary of Energy, and New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson is among the names referenced in the newly listed documents to Epstein. In a deposition taken May 3rd, 2016, Epstein's accuser, Virginia Garuff, claimed that she was instructed by Epstein associate and sex trafficker, Julian Maxwell, to give a massage to Richardson during a trip to Epstein Ranch in New Mexico. When asked whether she met Richardson, Garuff said, I want to say that he went he was supposed to come over for dinner when we were in New Mexico. I don't know if I met him. I believe that he and Ghislaine had dinner separate from myself. Gruff also said that Maxwell personally instructed her to give massage to Bill Richardson. Richardson, the chair of the 2004 Democratic National Convention, was also nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 2019 for his work in North Korea's nuclear crisis. He died in September of 2023. In August 2019, Bloomberg reported Richardson denied ever meeting Garuff, called the allegations completely false. Wow, he died in 2003. How could you ever imagine somebody randomly dying that was a part of Epstein's situation? Huh, how weird is that? Now, I don't know much about Bill Richardson, but I do know that they said he was the chair of the Democratic National Committee. Hmm. That seems fitting. Now, another thing that 
people have talked about, and I believe the name's on this list here, so instead of waiting, I'll just tell you. Um, some of the most notable things that people would see in the headlines when you saw Jeffrey Epstein's list here is Donald Trump and Bill Clinton. And if you watched MSNBC, you would have noticed that Donald Trump's name was actually listed eight times alongside the January 6th insurrection, three times within the MSNBC coverage of the Jeffrey Epstein documents. Now, the other person's name that I listed was Bill Clinton, which is another one of the two individuals that's listed on this list here. So let's talk about those two individuals while everything else is pulling up here. But one thing that I'd say about the difference between the way that Trump is portrayed within these documents and the difference between the way that Bill Clinton is portrayed in these documents, and, and this will just tell you everything that you need to know about MSNBC and their reporting, is that when they reported Donald Trump's name eight times and Bill Clinton's name zero times, what they failed to mention was the fact that Donald Trump was essentially exonerated from all wrongdoing within these documents. Now, that's not to say that there won't be more documentation that comes out. That's not to say that Donald Trump is completely innocent because we don't know that. But that is to say that as far as the evidence is concerned today regarding Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein, Donald Trump has done no wrongdoing, according to the individuals that have been interviewed at this time. So that's the first thing that they failed to mention was the fact that Every mention of Donald Trump's name within the Jeffrey Epstein documents stated that, no, he never participated in any of these underage activities. Now, again, I still think there's some element of guilty by association that should be applied here, that, that, that I, I'm just highly skeptical of anybody who was around Jeffrey Epstein at any time and immediately calling them innocent. I just I still think that there's a lot to be that, that will come out especially if you listen to Megyn Kelly. I still think that there's going to be uh, a fair amount of uh, more trials that go on as a result of this. But I do think that when you look at the evidence so far, it shows that Donald Trump did no wrongdoing here. And it shows that Bill Clinton, word for word, Bill Clinton within the documents of Jeffrey Epstein's released documents recently states that Bill Clinton, according to the individual that was interviewed likes his girls young. That was the word-for-word -word conversation that was had from the legal documents. Under oath, somebody said, not only does he participate with people who are under 18, illegal, pedophilia, but also he likes them young, which to me in the context of this situation tells you that he likes them even younger than 18. Younger, 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 right? Now we also know well, and we'll get to that in a second. But that to me is the most egregious thing that we saw when it came to the reporting of this is Donald Trump's name was plastered everywhere about this. Bill Clinton's name was alongside it. Bill Clinton, two former presidents on Jeffrey Epstein's list of perpetrators. Well, no. One former president and one, <laughs> one vice president would be accurate to say. Because Donald Trump was not in any way, shape, or form shown to have committed any wrongdoing. And I'll be the first person to call him out when there's evidence to show otherwise. I've posted pictures about him in the past next to Jeffrey Epstein. I'm completely transparent. I have no skin in the game. I will absolutely 100% be the first person to call out Donald Trump when we see evidence that he was a part of this. Because we've seen so far, there is very clear evidence. I believe Bill Clinton's name was mentioned 157 times throughout the documents. 
specifically saying in one instance that he likes his girls young. Ew. Now, let's go to the third most powerful person, because now we know who number two and number one are, so I'm sorry for going back and forth on you, <laughs> but one that surprised me a little bit that I didn't see, at least I didn't dive into enough and I haven't seen evidence of before, so let's read about this now, says, climate alarmist and former Vice President Al Gore is mentioned in nearly 1,000 pages of court filings and other documents linked to Epstein. While Gore was not identified as one of the Epstein's alleged clients, the former vice president was named in May 2016 deposition by alleged Epstein victim Johanna Schoenberg, who denied ever meeting Gore or seeing him or his wife, Tipper Gore, on Epstein's private island in Little St. James. In a separate filing on April 2016, Gore was named as a part of a list of documents requested by attorneys for Maxwell in a civil defamation lawsuit. The filing concludes an objection from lawyers from Epstein's accuser, Gruff, in response to a request by Maxwell's attorneys to turn over all photographs or video containing any image of you and Gore, along with several other individuals, including Clinton, Prince Andrew, and Stephen Hawking. In the court filings, Gore is not accused of any wrongdoing or illegal activity. Okay, so again, why are we talking about these people, right? This is what you have to be careful with, with these documents, is that we can't just immediately say that they're guilty and they're this type of person, right? Because I hadn't read this yet, and I didn't know. Al Gore was not accused of any wrongdoing. Now, again, there is some essence just for Trump, as there is here for Al Gore, of guilty by association to me. I don't believe that I've been friends with any high-level blackmailing pedophiles before. I've never flown to any suspicious islands with children's toys where they shouldn't be, and I've never been in a situation where my name was listed in Jeffrey Epstein's documents. So it's a little hazy, but let's go ahead and let's just see where this takes us with Bill Clinton's name as that loads. Let's go back to our next document. All right. So I'll, I'll take you through some of the actual documents that were discussed here and the word for word conversations that were had surrounding some of these individuals. All right. So again, I think that you have to be careful when you're looking at these because some of the names on these lists were individuals who were not being accused of anything specific. Um, but let's look at the actual documentation here. And this is from a Substack article that lists some other individuals as well. Oh, and by the way, another really famous individual that was on Jeffrey Epstein's documentation and list here was the former prime minister of Israel. <gasps> so you mean to tell me the very association that Ghislaine Maxwell's father worked for, you know, the Mossad, and the person that they worked for there, the prime minister of Israel, went and visited Jeffrey Epstein at his New York townhome. Hmm. That's weird. And when he did it, he covered his face with a scarf even. There's pictures out there of him covering his face with a scarf. All right. So let's go through some of this documentation here from the list. And one of the names that shocked me the most, but we'll get to him in just a minute. But you can walk around walk around. You can actually walk through these documents with me if you're on YouTube. Again, go to YouTube, type in the Adams Archive, and you can subscribe there. All right, so here we go. This portion, the top portion, is going to be around Prince Andrew. So it says, new details on the allegations against Prince Andrew have not also surfaced. Miss 
And I'm just not going to be saying names of victims from here on out. That was silly to begin with. Also testified that she met Prince Andrew and Virginia Karoff when she was 17 years old in New York City, along with Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Here is her testimony. And do you recall who, if anyone, was at Jeffrey Epstein's home when you arrived? Yes, when I first walked in the door, it was myself, Ghislaine, headed for the staircase and said, told me to come up to the living room. And what happened at that point when you came up to the living room? I came up and saw Virginia, Jeffrey, Prince Andrew, Ghislaine in the room. And did you meet Prince Andrew at the time? Yes. At Epstein's New York home was a Prince Andrew puppet, apparently from a BBC production. Weird. Maxwell brought it down for Prince Andrew, and either Maxwell or Epstein took a scandalous photo of Prince Andrew with the girls. They put the puppet on Virginia's lap, and sat. I sat on Andrew's lap, and they put the puppet's hand on Virginia's breast, and Andrew put his hand on my breast, and they took a photo. The most, the more disturbing allegations against Prince Andrew came directly from Garuff. Please name a person that Glaine Maxwell directed you to go have sex with. And she said, Prince Andrew. Now, the only reason I'm saying Garuff's name is because that's been the most high profile victim of some of this. And she's come out and obviously been the, the forerunner in the victims to actually go after these people and is very, very open and public about it. Glenn Dubin is another one. So it says, Gruff also alleged that she was directed to have sex with Epstein's friend and billionaire and then hedge fund manager, Glenn Dubin. And here's the transcript. Okay, well, I need you to say the time when Maxwell directed you to go have sex with another person. So can you please tell me to whom Glenn Maxwell asked you to go have sex with another person? Mr. Edwards, the lawyer, said, object to the form. And then she said, A. Glenn Dubin. Dubin's ties to Epstein have been previously reported. Back in 2009, after Epstein was given his sweetheart plea deal from the Department of Justice, the Dubins hosted Epstein for Thanksgiving dinner. Wow. That must be quite the Thanksgiving dinner. Now, one of the bigger names that we'll see here that came up to me that was the most surprising, you know, who's surprised by hedge fund managers and all that stuff. Well, let's just, let's take it in stride. It says... Thanksgiving dinner, telling his probation officer they were 100% comfortable with his being around their teenage daughter. Ew. Um, another one was Tom Pritzker. Tom Pritzker is a billionaire businessman serving an executive chair for Hyatt Hotels as a, and a chairman and CEO of the Pritzker organization. He's also a member of the Aspen Institute. Gruff alleged she slept with him once. Now, if we go into the conversation here, it says, if I were to ask you the question, how many times did you have sex with Tom Pritzker? Do you know what that question means? She said, I believe so. All right. And what is the answer? I believe I was with Tom once. Next one is David Copperfield. Magician, magician David Copperfield also emerged in the latest Epstein release. While there are no sex-related allegations against Copperfield at this time, it's clear the witness testimony that he was friends with Epstein and had at least some knowledge of what was going on in Epstein's home. Perhaps he had been informed by Epstein or Maxwell that they were recruiting process where girls were paid to find other girls, according to Johanna, the victim. Have you ever met David Copperfield? Copperfield. Yes. And do you recall when you initially met him? Yes. Can you tell me what that was about? Sure. Someone called me from the house and said that he would be there. And if I wanted to come have dinner, then I could meet him. And what happened at the dinner, if anything? He did some magic tricks. Did you observe David Copperfield to be a friend of Jeffrey Epstein's? Yes. Did Copperfield ever discuss Jeffrey's involvement with young girls with you? He questions me if I was aware that girls were getting paid to find other girls. Did he tell you any of the specifics of that? And no. And the biggest reveal for me from all of the Epstein documents that I hadn't seen before, that it had no really backing until this more recent release, 
is Michael Jackson's name came up in the Epstein documents. That's right. Michael Jackson. Now, again, I don't think this should surprise very many people when you get into the highest levels of Hollywood elites and Hollywood elite pedophiles. He's probably one of the first names that comes up. But even Michael Jackson, the king of pop himself, was friendly with Epstein. He was at Epstein's Palm Beach mansion at least once, as explained by the victim. Did you ever meet anybody famous when you were with Epstein? She said, I met Michael Jackson. Oh, really? And where was that? At his house in Palm Beach, at Jeffrey's house in Palm Beach. Did you massage him? She said, I did not. She would also testify that Epstein would speak on the phone with either celebra- with other celebrities, including Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Blanchett. Here's the transcript. Said I, was, I saw one press report that you said you met Kate Blanchett or Leonardo DiCaprio. I did not meet them. No, when I spoke about them, it was when I was massaging him and he would get off. He would be on the phone a lot of the time. And one time he said, oh, that was Leonardo or that was Kate Blanchett or Bruce Willis, that kind of thing. So just name dropping. Yes. Okay. Here's the closing thoughts from this article. It says, many of the documents that were released today were previously released in the course of Garuff versus Maxwell's litigation, albeit in a more redacted form. For example, one document from today's allegations that Glenn Maxwell took the passport of a 15-year-old girl. We reported on that document back in 2022, it said. Also, as we discussed on December 19 of 2023, not all the Jane Doe's are alleged to have committed wrongdoing. Or John Doe's, sorry. Today's documents included John Doe's who were doctors to the victims, friends of the victims, and family members of the victims. It's been unfortunate and rather sad to see the media and various morons with large platforms on social media, the list is long and distinguished, lump those innocent people with the predatory John Doe's, as if all the names to be released were part of Epstein's list. If there is a positive to all of that, we guess it's that you can, can't really tell who doesn't, you can really tell who doesn't do the reading. Anyways, then this is what I preempted that 90 person list with, right? Is like, you can't just go look at these names and say every single one of them was one of the perpetrators. No, you have to dig deeper than that. Anyways, the list of no unknown John Doe's as opposed to the known John Doe's, such as Sarah Kellen, who are alleged to have committed abuse, is rather small. Today's release doesn't include all the perpetrator John Doe's. There are more names set to be released in the coming days. This includes John Doe 113, a purported Epstein affiliate and witness, witness who is alleged to have engaged in serious wrongdoing. And we'll be here to report the developments. Hmm. All right. So there you have it. Now, let's go back to the victim, or I'm sorry, not the victim, but one of the most interesting cases that has come up, the probably biggest, biggest, most made fun of individual from all of this, and rightfully, right, if you're on this list and a part of this, obviously, you deserve to be ridiculed endlessly for the rest of your life. But Stephen Hawking was on Jeffrey Epstein's list released. Hmm. You say Stephen Hawking? Isn't that guy a quadriplegic? Yes. Yes, he is. I have questions, and I'm sure so do you. (laughs) But his name was on the list, and by far... By far, the best joke that I've seen on this so far is what I had mentioned earlier that I just ran into when I was looking at all of this. And it said, 
<laughs> Stephen Trump. <laughs> I can't. Did you hear about Stephen Hawking being on Jeffrey Epstein's list? Yes. Yes, I did. He was tried, convicted, and sentenced. He got the chair. <laughs> uh, funny stuff. All right. So Stephen Hawking was on the list. Now, this is probably, again, like I said, the, the most hilarious of them all. And not really hilarious. It's not None of it's funny, obviously. But the most crazy wild is probably more accurate. Stephen Hawking was now the center of every internet meme of all time now because he was found within the documents saying that he loved being a part, well, one of the victims, I guess, said that he loved being a part of underage orgies. And this comes from uh, NDTV. It says, the latest finding comes as a part of a large trove of documents released due to a lawsuit filed by Virginia Garuff. Okay, we all know all of that. Jeffrey Epstein once proposed a reward to disprove an alleged accusation involving renowned physicist Stephen Hawking, a report said. The latest finding comes with a large trove of documents released due to a lawsuit filed by Virginia Garuff, an Epstein accuser against Ghislaine Maxwell, an accomplice to Epstein. In 2015 email, Epstein reportedly suggested to Maxwell that she could issue a reward to anyone who could disprove Garuff's allegations. Specifically, Epstein mentioned a purported claim that Hawking had participated in an orgy on Epstein's private island in the Virgin Islands. It's important to note that there are no specific allegations directly from Garuff regarding Hawking and that Hawking has never been charged with any sexual misconduct. Hawking did visit Epstein's private Caribbean island as a part of a science conference trip, of course, to St. Thomas in March 2006, shortly before Epstein faced his first charges. Photos from the event show Hawking participating in activities on Epstein Island. However, the newly revealed email did not contain any evidence to substantiate the claim against Hawking. The same email also referred to a separate allegation involving President Bill Clinton, who Epstein said was falsely accused, of course, right? So basically what was happening in this situation is that Jeffrey Epstein was probably had Stephen Hawking or his crew reach out to him and go, hey, we need you to find somebody who, in case something happens or this information comes out, is a friend of the individuals that were around this area that are making these claims that would then say that he was not there and he didn't participate and none of this is true. So he was just saying, I'll pay you or pay the, I will reward the individual, probably in the amount of millions of dollars, to potentially lie and say that he wasn't a part of this. Hmm. Which to me tells me, again, most of what you need to know. It says, Virginia Garuff was also accused Epstein trafficker and forcing her to have sex with Prince Andrew, King Charles III's younger brother, on three occasions when she was 17. In a 2022 statement following an out-of-court settlement with Garuff, Prince Andrew's lawyer stated his intention to make a substantial donation to Garuff's charity to support a victim's rights. Yeah. Okay. Now, another part of this is, did you know that the Simpsons actually predicted Stephen Hawking being a pedophile? And the video, I saw the video of this, is he's basically in a, a gazebo in his wheelchair. And he goes to leave and, and picks up, what is it? Not Marge's daughter. I forget. the. How can I not know that? Right? Come on. Let's see if it's on here. But anyways, 
Maggie, right? Is it Maggie? Yeah, I think it's Maggie. Or is Maggie the one, the younger one? Nah. Bart, Homer, Maggie. Nah. Who cares? <laughs> I'm sure you're shaking and your fist at me right now. But anyways, I gotta, 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 gotta keep a lot of other stuff in here. And I haven't watched The Simpsons in probably 15 years. So to be fair, um, but allegedly this was a, another Simpson conspiracy win here was Stephen Hawking picking up one of the Simpsons children and taking them on a little flight with him after he had left this little scene on the Simpsons. So let's see if we can get any of the comments here from the comments section. But pretty wild stuff. Yeah, just just the the similarity, the correlation to the events is a little uncanny to say the least. Side note, I do find it funny. I did a video the other day about Madison Cawthorn. If you haven't gone and watched the Dave Chappelle comedy special that he just had released on Netflix, he actually does a joke about Madison Cawthorn. And I've had some short conversations with Madison Cawthorn before through social media. And he he actually made a joke about Madison Cawthorn, and it was pretty good. It got a little dark for a second, but it was a funny joke. And Madison Cawthorn took it in stride and actually went to the show of Dave Chappelle and uh, to, to see Dave Chappelle making fun of him, which I think is just the all-time like best move that you could do in that situation is like, the last thing you should do when somebody, you know, makes fun of you or your uh, background, your your shortcomings, is, is try to cancel them, like the left has constantly tried to do, right? You see people from from the left, you know, tr always trying to, you know, there's the big walkout because of him and all this other crazy stuff. So uh, it just seems like the wrong way to go about that. And and Jeff or uh, Madison Cawthorn actually drove out to the place where uh, it was closest to him that he could go and have a a actual full show of Dave Chappelle so he could be made fun of directly by Dave Chappelle, which I just love. And it was uncanny because Dave Chappelle was making fun of like, why why are you inviting a, he said, quadriplegic to, a, to an orgy? Like, what is he going to do? Just wheel around and look and... You basically just invited a snitch to come in there and snitch on everybody and you can't even participate. And, you know, it's, it's way funnier than me. So go watch it. And it was hilarious. But the fact that the, the timing of that coming out at the same exact time that we find out that Stephen Hawking was included in these Epstein orgies is like just just pretty weird. All right. So the next situation that we're going to discuss here uh, is going to be that in Miami... There was hundreds, what looked like, of cops in Miami responding to a call, allegedly, about children fighting each other with sticks and fireworks. And I think the, the number that I saw was four kids or young, young adults fighting each other with sticks. And you look at the videos of this, and there was at least 85 cop cars lined. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Lined down the road. Uh, to respond to this call about four children fighting with sticks and fireworks inside of a mall. Hmm, that seems weird. But there was reports coming out afterwards of individuals who were being interviewed because there was no footage of these kids fighting with sticks. There was no footage of the fireworks being shut off inside of this mall. 
which is weird because if you have that much of a police presence, first of all, why do you have 70 cops, cop cars? So you can't imagine how many cops were actually there, but 70 cop cars lined up all the way down the street just to respond to a call about four kids fighting each other with sticks, not machine guns, not Tommy guns, not RPGs, no sticks. Okay. So weird. And there's no footage about it. And you, you go into any tropical smoothie and you'll see that there's a video somewhere on TikTok of, of a Karen yelling at a tropical smoothie manager somewhere. Like if this was the case and it warranted this type of response, why not have video evidence of this? But there were people who came out from this Miami mall, allegedly, and said that the reason that they were the reason that there was such a large presence there was that because there was a large amount of shadowy aliens chasing down people in the mall that were reportedly eight to 10 feet tall. Now, this is going to lead us into our deep dive for this week, which is about the Nephilim, which is the ancient biblical beings, which were allegedly very tall and very strong and descendants of God and man. But we'll get into that deep dive in a minute. Whether or not I believe this is the case is another story. Because it seems to me like, hey, if there's 8 to 10, if, if I think there's going to be footage of 14-year-olds fighting with sticks, I definitely think there's going to be footage of 8 to 10 foot tall beings chasing people down in a shopping mall. Unless there was some sort of men in black, you know, memory stick that erases everybody's memories and their phone footage from the iCloud. I don't know. I just don't believe that probably either. Right? There's probably going to be footage that comes out about that, either which way. So the weird thing is that we still don't really have the full narrative from inside or outside, from the police that were there, of what actually happened within this mall. But the reports that came out from within and people who claimed to have been inside of this mall at the time that this happened was that there were shadow-like alien figures chasing people down. So this comes from CBS News, Miami. And here's the article. It says a large brawl between teenagers caused chaos at Bayside Marketplace in downtown Miami on Monday night. However, social media users claimed that what ensued then was much more extraterrestrial. As the fight drew a heavy police presence to the area that evening, rumors quickly spread around Twitter and other social media platforms suggesting that police weren't there to handle a group of rowdy teens, but rather nine or eight to ten foot tall shadow aliens. According to an amateur video posted online, there was moments when a big creature could be seen in plain sight standing in front of the entrance to the shopping mall, causing many online conspiracies, conspiracists, <laughs> I like that, online conspiracists, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, I'm a conspiracist, to post their takes on exactly what happened that Monday night. And of course, the memes came flooding in as well. Hmm. So here is the video of the amount of cop cars that were there. I'll share this with you if you're on YouTube. Here it is. Let's watch this video. Here's the actual like we'll just kind of skip around so that we get to the get to the part where you see the unbelievable amount of police officers that were actually here on site. If it'll load for us. Here we go. I'll turn the footage off or the sound off for you guys. So if you're on the podcast, it doesn't blast your ears. Just like that. So it's panning. And as it's panning, you see down the road of this like side street in front of the mall. Oh, 
I guess every time I go to turn the sound off, it's also pausing it. Here we go. Let's just do this. There we go. It's panning and there's 10, 20, 30, 50, 70, like so many cop cars lined all the way down this whole road. So many cop cars. So let's go on to the next part here. I don't know if the rumors about the aliens in the Miami Mall are real, but I do know I've never seen this many police in one place, said one ex-user. Wow, thank you for your feedback. Has some meme videos. Everybody has cell phones. Nobody has an up-close video of the 8 to 10-foot aliens at the mall. Another user posted. Yeah, good point. Me greeting the aliens at the mall isn't just some memes. All right. So, I don't know what's going on here. I do know that there's an increasing amount of conversation surrounding beings, surrounding aliens, surrounding spiritual beings, surrounding you know, how many times have we heard about aliens over the last year? It is absolutely ramping up in the public psyche, which to me is priming, right? I think we're being primed. I think we're being primed for some sort of catastrophe event, you know, whether you want to call it Project Blue Beam or whether there actually is going to have something that ends up coming out that is real and they're priming us for that thing potentially. But I do believe we're being primed for the situation. You want to go back to the most, you know, publicized alien events over the last six months, let's say, there was the woman on the plane. That motherfucker right back there is not real. <laughs> and, the, and, you know, remember her, right? That was priming, right? I think, I think you know, whether she was a part of it or not, whatever. But I do think that there are certain news entities and algorithms from social medias that can take a video like that and either do one of two things. They can suppress it. Or they can add fuel to the fire. They can decide that they're going to give it 50 million views. They make those decisions, right? So when they decide whether to suppress a video or amplify it, you should pay attention as to why, right? Maybe that, that's what happened. And maybe she was drunk and maybe nothing happened. But still, that video was allowed to circulate the way that it did through social media and then through news organizations. So whether or not that was... It doesn't have to be intentional. She doesn't have to be an actress. It doesn't have to be this crazy conspiracy to happen. Maybe she was drunk on a plane and took a Valium when she shouldn't have or a Xanax and then drank too much and she saw something weird and she was all whatever messed up and now she's, uh, you know, a living meme for the rest of her life. But so there was that event, the first one that set it off a little bit. Right, there's been all those, the Senate hearings and stuff like that too, but let's, let's not even talk about those. Let's talk about this, the social media aspect. Then there was the video footage of somebody in their backyard who called the cops on exactly what's being reported here, an eight to 10 foot tall being in their backyard that they allegedly found on their security footage. Interesting. And now another situation that's circulating like crazy is the fact that there was these eight to 10 foot tall spiritual shadowy beings inside of this mall. And that's why the police showed up in this way. So I absolutely believe we're being primed in some way, shape or form. If you want to go back and look at the, you know, done a whole episode on Project Bluebeam, I'll give you a synopsis. Project Bluebeam is essentially the idea that our government is going to cause some sort of catastrophic illusion that makes it seem as if 
aliens are attacking us to bring on one world government to fight it off. Okay. Which, you know, is interesting. I, you know, I'm reading a book right now. that's actually going to become a Netflix series that I would highly recommend, which is the three body problem, which is a Chinese book. It's a three part fiction science sci-fi book that you can read. And I highly recommend it. It's beautifully written. It's really well done. It's really interesting. It brings up some philosophical conversations. It brings, it jumps all through these beautiful timelines and there's, there's so many well done elements to it. I would highly recommend it. The three body problem and then the dark forest and then death's end is the, the three part series of this, this book series, but it's actually going to be a Netflix series that comes out. Although from the trailer of the Netflix series, I'm a little disappointed because I'm a big fan of this book that I'm reading. I'm on the third one right now. I'm about, I don't know, 25% through it, but they're not, they're not super light books, but again, if you read, go read it. And if you don't read, maybe go read the first one because it's going to get on Netflix here in March. And, uh, but, but it looked like in the trailer, they kind of butchered it. There was a Chinese version of it where it seemed like they were much more aligned with the way the book was written. And then the, the Americanized version of it looks like they took a lot of liberties that they shouldn't have taken. And it's done by the same people that did Game of Thrones. So it's obviously going to be pushed like crazy. And it's coming in March, I think. So if you have the time, grab The Three-Body Problem. Highly recommend it. I think you would like it. I've enjoyed it. It's the first sci-fi book I've ever really read. But it's been a really fun journey for, for myself. So I think you'd like it too. And, and if you care, it's it's uh, the, the person who wrote the foreword for it, maybe not the foreword, but just I wrote a review for it that's on the very front of it is Barack Obama, which is like the most random shit ever. Anyways, so... So that's where I believe. I believe we're being primed. I believe this is being allowed to circulate this way. I think that they probably wanted to pump up the conspiracy theorists just the same way they did with Q, right? They're going to infiltrate the communities and start to put stuff on Reddit and and, and put the videos out there and, and spark all this conversation so that eventually some something's going to happen, right? We, we look back at COVID and even back in 2000 and geez, I don't remember the date, but but Bill Gates did a did a... a speech on viruses and how it's going to cause this nationwide pandemic. And you look at the, the who or something wrote, wrote a, gosh, I can't remember the document now, but you can go back. I've talked about it before. There was a document written on the direct response by the, this, whatever government organization was, might've been the NIH about how to drill with, how to deal with a coronavirus If it just so happened to break out and it was like two years prior and it outlined exactly basically how they approached this. COVID situation. So whatever. But I, but I think that was priming. And I think this is priming now. And I think something will happen. There's, this is all leading up to something. And whether it's this year or next year, the, the reason that, and if you listen to my last podcast, and I don't want to go on too many side tangents here. So let's just keep this the, the mainstream. I believe we're being primed. I believe that this is happening intentionally. I believe it's being allowed to circulate the way that it is right now because there's going to be something that happens, whether it's a trove of information that they're just getting us ready to like lull us to sleep about aliens until they actually tell us, yeah, they're real. And hey, we're in contact with them. And we've been in contact with them for over 100 years. And guess how you got internet? And guess how you got that cell phone that you can FaceTime your grandma six fucking million miles away from you and get instantaneous access to all the information you could ever want at will and watch midget porn before you go to bed, <laughs> whatever it is that you do, you use the internet for and play video games and all of these other, all the technology that has come out from humans over the last hundred years. You look at the trajectory that we were on for technology 
the, the thousand years prior was nowhere near, nowhere near the amount of technology that we've come out with in the last 50, 100 years, 100 years, let's say 100 years is unbelievable. And so my firm belief, I firmly believe that the reason that we have all the technology we have, internet, cell phones, the, the basically almost anything and everything that's not a physically tangible, if it's a frequency that goes through the air, like Nikolai Tesla stuff, right? I, I, I believe that it, it, it is not of this world. I believe that we are gaining technology tips from some other entity that was either here before us or came from somewhere else. And you can call me crazy if you want to, but I just don't believe you. <laughs> You're going to tell me that internet was designed by some random idiot like me in a basement by himself, like, or some five guys in a, a room together with a Sharpie. Like, I, I don't believe you. <laughs> it's just, it's not convincing to me, but it is super convincing that somebody else who had far more technology than us has been dropping little pieces of it from time to time, whether that's directly through to, you know, what Tucker Carlson will come out and say in just a minute here when we watch his video is that they're in contact with these beings. They've been in contact with these beings. These beings have been here. They've always been here. And he believes they're spiritual beings. Just, you know, we'll get into that in a minute. But anyways, that's the story of the mall. That's my beliefs on that. And this is where I think it's going. I, I think that there will be some precipice of information that's released or some event. It's going to be information or an event. And I guess the information would be an event in and of itself if you've been following this long enough. But I absolutely believe there's going to be a, a this happened big precipice that all of this priming has been about for so long. We're being told aliens this and aliens that and UFOs are real and they go into the water and this and that. And, you know, yeah. And they basically, you know, I heard Joe Rogan talk about this this way. Is like they've made being interested in aliens and aliens being released as like boring now that nobody really even seems to care. Like it's it's so wild to see the way that it, it's been done. It's like they've lulled everybody to sleep by making it 1500 page Senate hearings. And like they just <laughs> when you were growing up in the 90s, you probably thought it was going to be some big saucer just like over top of your town and then it it goes over the farm and up goes a, a cow from like a big blue beam of light that was what we all thought it was going to be and it's not going to be that it's not independence day or maybe it fucking will be which is probably the most terrifying of the events right but anyways that's where I think it's going. So, so that brings us to our next conversation, which is what the, Tucker Carlson has talked about. Because he doesn't believe these these things are from another world. He believes that they're an ancient spiritual civilization that has always been here, and there's good forces and bad forces within them, almost like angels and demons. And he doesn't address that directly. He says, "I don't know. I'm not going to make any leaps on this." And, and and honestly, it doesn't really matter. Like me personally, if they're ancient civilized that are spiritual beings that are biblical, our longest texts of knowledge have been passing us information about forever. Whether you call it a demon or whether you call it an angel or whether you call it a Nephilim or a this or a that or whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't, the, the, the sound that you make about your mouth about it doesn't really matter to me as much as the concept, which I find to be super interesting. So let's get into it. This is the deep dive on the Nephilim. Okay, and let's give you some background on the Nephilim, because I think that's a, a super interesting conversation that can come of this. 
which is a great video that I found here. And I had some videos and stuff about the Miami mall, but I don't see the, the point. Let's just dive into this video on the Nephilim because you can go find those in your spare time. Feel free. Be my guest. Oh, and while this is pulling up, you should go over to the Substack. All right, go sign up for my newsletter, austinadams.substack.com. I will be including all of this information in there for you. I'm actually getting some help here and over the next week or two that I'm going to be onboarding to help automate. I'm going to be shooting more episodes for you guys. I've told you big changes, all that stuff, automation, getting people to help me out with this, hiring some people. So head over to austinadams.substack.com. The way that you can help me with that is by getting on the newsletter, being a part of the Substack. In the Substack, you can actually become a paid subscriber. I think it's like $7 a month. And so if you want to help out, pitch in, help me with some of the stuff that I'm doing with these people I'm going to be bringing on to help multiply the content, be able to do more podcasts, all of that stuff. Go head over Substack, austinadams.com or not austinadams.com. That's like some random dude's resume. <laughs> it's unfortunate because I would totally get it. But austinadams.substack.com. All right. So here's the video that I'm going to put on. I actually really enjoyed this conversation by this guy. It's the Southern Seminary youtube channel but this guy specifically is i have to see what his name is here but he talks about the nephilim here and this is what i want to preempt our conversation with and here we go the next piece is who are the nephilim in verse four of genesis here let me do this because i need to actually lower the volume here six it says the nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of god had relations with human women and they bore children of them end of sentence new sentence they were the heroes who were from the ancient past men of renown there's two major sentences there first one says the nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. There are two possible interpretations of this expression. They were on the earth in those days and afterward. What does that mean? They were there in those days and afterward. Well, some people think this means that the Nephilim were the children that came from the angels who married the women in Genesis 6 verses 1 to 3 and that the Nephilim were the product of these unnatural unions, and they appeal to texts from the third century BC and second century BC, the so-called Enochic traditions, the traditions about Enoch, where the Nephilim are interpreted as giants. There's another interpretation that's possible. When it says the Nephilim were there in those days and also afterward, it could mean that before the, the angels had sex with the human women, the Nephilim were there, and they were also there after the, hum the angels had sex with women. So it could mean that the Nephilim had nothing to do with the angels marrying the humans. I think that is the correct interpretation for two reasons. First of all, I examined every occurrence of this expression and also afterward. I, I went. 
So what he's doing is he's discussing the, it's Genesis 6.13, and I'm actually going through this right now. I'll talk to you probably very soon about my new spiritual journey and, and theology that I'm, that I'm walking through right now and trying to learn the histories of the Bibles and its writings and the individuals who wrote them and why they matter and why their stories are believed and why they're even talking about the same God and all that stuff. But I'll, I'll dive into that on a different day. But I actually read this uh, the other night before bed, and this, it barely struck me. Um, but, but I guess what he's saying is the, ne the Nephilim are told to be these ancient giant beings that were potentially the, the conjoining of uh, God's children, or I'm sorry, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the angels and the women of man, right? The but females who brought children uh, into earth. So that was like basically the Nephilim were the children of angels with women. So essentially like demigods, if you want to go back to like mythology, uh, so think like Hercules, <laughs> but that's the idea behind the Nephilim is that it's the conjoining of, of angels and humanity to create these giant, strong warrior type, uh, hu human-like beings. And what he's saying is that there's potentially two the interpretations of that. One being that maybe they were, phrase, they were here before and, I examined and after that, how or they was were used. here. And the second in here you go. interpretation best fits and suits how this word is used. So when it says they were there in those days and also afterward, it means the Nephilim were there before angels cohabited with humans and they were mm. there after angels cohabited with humans. There's a second reason why this is the correct interpretation. The last sentence says they were the heroes who were from the ancient past, the men of renown. This sentence does not begin with and, now that's very, very important. Almost every sentence in the Hebrew Bible begins with and. When a sentence does not begin with and, it, it does so for two reasons. It could, be, it could be because it's beginning a new section, or secondly, because it's making a comment on the previous sentence, what hmm. we would call a footnote. It's very clear that this sentence is not beginning a new section, but it's acting like a footnote on the previous sentence. So the previous sentence is saying that the Nephilim were before, were there before the angels and the humans cohabited and they were there after. And it's making a brief comment that they were the ancient heroes. In this case, what Moses is doing is he's demythologizing the Nephilim. You notice, one of the things that we should notice is the text doesn't tell us who the Nephilim were. What does that mean? Why doesn't the, te why doesn't the text tell us who they were? Because they were well known to the first readers of this text. The first mm. readers of this text knew who the Nephilim were and didn't need, didn't wow. need that explained to them. And all Moses is saying is, look, whoever you think these heroes are like Gilgamesh, these ancient heroes, these men of renown, you've read about them in the ancient mythologies. Whoever they were, they're not part of this story. They don't come from the cohabitation of angels and humans. Interesting. And okay. I think that's the correct interpretation. But, but the problem is, this has been a difficult text to interpret. 
and it has not always been interpreted correctly down through the centuries. And in the third century BC and the second century BC, they came to an incorrect interpretation. They thought that the Nephilim were giants who were produced by angels cohabiting with humans. And this got into the book of Enoch. And Paul warns his readers against this because he says in his letters to Timothy, don't argue over endless genealogies and foolish myths. This is a direct reference to the book of, en of Enoch, that's which Timothy 1, 4, has a long 4, genealogy of all the angels until you finally come down to Satan, and then they blame all the evil in the world on Satan. What they're trying to do is they're trying to blame chaos and death and evil in the world on angelic sin instead of blaming it on human sin. And the Bible clearly puts the, the blame on humans. Genesis 3 shows how sin came into the world. How did we live in right, a world so there's that... Your, there's your beginning entry into what, what were the Nephilim. And so he says there's two schools of thought when it comes to who were the Nephilim. The Nephilim were either the children of angels cohabiting, having sex with human women, or they were a being that was here prior to that and existed after that, that they were already here, and maybe that's not the case. And so that was, that was what the purpose of that portion of that was. So, interesting. Now that can preempt the next part of our conversation here, which is that where I did a deep dive into this. So I, I found all of the references to the Nephilim within all of the ancient texts. So we'll look at the Hebrew Bible, which is the Old Testament, the Book of Numbers, the and I'm going to butcher some of the names of this, so bear with me like I do with even congressmen, <laughs> as you know, is the Book of Numbers, then the Apocryphal and Pseudopigraphal texts, which is the Book of Enoch and Jubilees, and some other ancient texts that I will get into as well. So when it comes to the Genesis 6, 1 through 4, it says this is the most well-known reference of the Nephilim. Occurring in the narrative leading up to the story of Noah's Ark, the passage describes the Nephilim as the offspring of the sons of God and the daughters of men. It suggests that they were mighty men and renowned figures of the ancient world. The exact nature and identity of the Nephilim have been the subject of much debate and interpretation. So there's where he came in and said, here's my interpretation of it. This is why I believe this one's correct. And here's the other interpretation. And here's why I think that's wrong. Okay. Now let's look at what those passages were. Here's the Genesis 6, 1 through 4, which says, When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children with them, they were the heroes of old men of renown. So there's your first reference to them from Genesis. Now, again, I'm sure there's hundreds of debates that you could probably watch on this and different takes on the theology and backgrounds of this. But there's, there's the two most basic fundamental ideas of who the Nephilim were. 
All right. Then you look at Numbers 13, 33, which is the Hebrew Bible, Old Testament. Now, this is the passage in which the Nephilim are mentioned in the context of the Israelite spies sent to Canaan. The spies report back that they saw the Nephilim there, describing them as giants, which made the spies feel like grasshoppers in comparison. This reference has led to much of the association with the Nephilim with giants. So this is where we get the idea that not only were they strong warriors, but also that they were extremely large, is Numbers 13.33, which says, We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them, saying that they were these massive, tall beings out there, and we saw them with our own eyes. Which is so interesting to me when you look at the Bible, and this is, you know, maybe I guess we're in it, we're in the theological conversations anyways, to me is like, it's so crazy that these little, these accounts are in there. Like, who were these people? Who wrote these things? Why do they matter? What gives them merit? What's the difference between a, a historical account versus a, you know, mythological account versus, you know, is it a analogy? Is it a real, like, this guy was sitting there as a journalist writing, hey, we saw these fucking huge tall guys and we looked like grasshoppers. Like, how do you interpret this properly? And then, again, there are certain sections that are interpreted one way compared to another. Uh, but that's crazy, right? <laughs> You're walking down the, through a forest and all of a sudden there are these, I mean, us to a grasshopper is like, I think of the scale differentiation there. Um, now, there's been recent accounts of people saying that they've like archaeologically dug up the remains of uh, large, huge, giant humans, which is like, that adds another element to this, which is really interesting. Um, but then we can get into the Book of Enoch. All right, now I'll give you the context of the Book of Enoch, is that this is the ancient Jewish work, not included in the canonical Hebrew Bible, which provides a much more detailed account of the Nephilim. It describes them as the offspring of fallen angels, the watchers, and human women. The book of Enoch elaborates on the idea that these beings were giants and portrays them as contributing to the corruption and violence on earth. And that seems to be what he was referencing a little bit earlier. So it says the book of Enoch is extensive and the Nephilim are mentioned in several parts, particularly in the first section known as the book of the watchers. Here is the representative passage from chapter 7. It says, it happened after the sons of men had multiplied in those days that daughters were born to them, elegant and beautiful. And when the angels, the sons of heaven, beheld them, they became enamored with them, saying to each of them, come, let us select for ourselves wives from the progeny of men, and let us beget their children. They became pregnant, and they bore great giants whose height was 3,000 L's, E-L-L-S, who consumed all the acquisitions of men. And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So again, it talks about how big they are, these giants, the, the Nephilim. All right. The next mention of this is the book of Jubilees. All right. And the book of Jubilees is an ancient text that not included in the canonical Hebrew Bible. The book of Jubilee also touches on the story of the Nephilim. It largely parallels the narrative found in the book of Enoch and Genesis, adding its own details to the story. And this says, 
Like the Book of Enoch, the Book of Jubilee provides its own account in the Nephilim, a Jubilee 5.1, which is written, And it came to pass, when the children of men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the angels of God saw them on a certain year of this Jubilee, that they were beautiful to look upon, and that they took themselves wives of all whom they chose, and they bore unto them sons, and they were giants. So kind of the same reaccounting story. Right. These texts have been subject to various interpretations over time, reflecting the complex nature of these origins and the cultural context in which they were written. Interesting. Now, it goes on to reference, in some of my background knowledge here, um, that the references in Genesis, Numbers, the Book of Enoch, and the Book of Jubilee explicitly mention the Nephilim and, and other ancient texts are relatively scarce. So it's saying outside of those, it's pretty scarce. However, there are a few other sources, while not mentioning the Nephilim directly, that are associated with them due to the descriptions of giants or similar beings. All right, so let's read those. Um, among them is the Dead Sea Scrolls. Particularly in some fragments, there are references to giants, which some scholars believe might be connected to the Nephilim narrative, especially considering the scrolls' close association with the Book of Enoch. Now, the first one being the Septuagint version of the Bible, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, and it translates the Nephilim as giants in the relevant passages. This has influenced some interpretations and connections made in later Christian and Jewish traditions. So, like, it seems like these are all basically retellings of the same <clears throat> story a bit. But it says that the Septuagint does not have a distinct passage different from the Masoretic text or the traditional Hebrew Bible regarding the Nephilim. However, in Genesis 6-4 and Numbers 13-33, the, the word Nephilim are translated as giants, okay? So that's like the text prior to the Jewish translation was the Greek translation, I believe. That's what I'm taking from it. Before that was the Dead Sea Scrolls. All right. So the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, is basically, you know, I'm not going to, it doesn't have the, the outline for me here, but from what I understand, it's the, the most ancient, most uh, aligned biblical text that we actually have some, some portion of today. But in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it says... The Book of Giants, this text is found among the Dead Sea Scrolls, which elaborates on a narrative of the giants, which is often linked to the Nephilim. As an example of the fragment from this text is, has dot, 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 they knew the secrets of, dot, 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 and they knew the requests of, dot, 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 and the giants plead with them, dot, dot, dot. It says the text is fragmented and incomplete, so it provides only a partial account. Well, it'd be nice if the partial account had the names of the of, right? They knew the secrets of blank. Is it the secrets of, uh, you know, Bill Gates? <laughs> is it the secret of uh, Jesus? Is it the secret of, you know, it would, be, it would probably be a little helpful here if we could have the fill in the blank of the dot, dot, dots. But I'm not sure. Uh, it looks like it's fragmented and they didn't actually have it or they couldn't uh, translate it properly. So next one is the Jewish Midrash or the Talmudic text. And it says that there are very... Uh, various references to giants in these texts, but do not directly mention the Nephilim. For example, in the Babylonian Talmud, the Nidda 61a, there is a discussion about the size of Og, king of Bashan, who is considered a giant, which says, Rav Yehuda says, that Rav says the height of Og, king of Bashan, was 300 cubits, which I don't know what that is compared to an L's. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then the last one was Christian Aporacrypha, apocryphal, apocryphal, 
Christian apocryphal texts often explains or expand on biblical narratives with additional details and stories. However, specific passages about giants akin to the Nephilim are not explicitly divine in the book of Enoch and the book of Jubilees. An example of this being from the Gospel of Peter, which describes the resurrection of Jesus and features a giant emerging from the tomb. Whoa. But this is not directly related to the Nephilim narrative. A giant? Instead of Jesus? Wow, weird. It is important to understand that these texts provide a broader cultural and mythological context rather than the direct references to the Nephilim. The interpretations and connections of the Nephilim narrative are often made by scholars and enthusiasts who study these ancient texts and their interconnections. These theories typically involve the Nephilim being depicted as giant or supernatural beings, often who claim that they have the the, were the offspring of the sons of God and daughters of men, as mentioned in biblical texts. So male, angels, female, humans. Now, there's your ancient biblical backgrounds. Now, here's some of the theories, conspiracy theories, be it historical theories, theological theories surrounding the Nephilim. Okay. One of which is the alien ancestry theory, right? So we're going to take a pivot here, which I find to be an interesting one, which is that the, the this theory suggests that the Nephilim were aliens or were of alien descent, right? Being a different species completely or an ancient species of the earth. Proponents of this view often link them to the ancient astronaut theories, suggesting that they were either extraterrestrial visitors themselves or the result of humans breeding with aliens. This is often linked with the interpretation of ancient texts and artifacts that supposedly depict extraterrestrial beings. Hmm. Right. And that, that's such an interesting conversation to me is like the different conversations. Like if the, the angels fell from heaven, is heaven not it's such a difficult distinction between heavens being of a different realm, being of a different universe, being of, of the, the the sky above us falling from the clouds, right? Could very easily be interpreted as extraterrestrial aliens being angels that fell from the clouds onto our earth and bred with our women and created these large giants. And then, you know, like there, there's such an interesting intersection between today's conversations of aliens, extraterrestrials, UFOs, and ancient biblical texts to me, right? Aliens, deities, uh, mythological creature, like all of these things could be very intertwined and lost in ancient texts or history books or even scrubbed intentionally because they don't want you to know the true story. Because as we saw before John Locke's the, the great enlightenment of humanity, where we decided that we no longer needed humans to, to speak to God. There, there's a very interesting intersection here bet- between those. So, <laughs> so the next one is the fallen angels and the giants. So it says, in this popular theory, the Nephilim are believed to be the offspring of fallen angels and human women, which could very just easily tie into the alien ancestry, right? It's just, what is the difference between the word alien and angel, if not fallen from the heaven organisms, right? This interpretation is based on certain things of religious texts, including the book of Genesis in the Bible and the apocryphal book of Enoch. The giants were often described as having great strength, size, and sometimes blamed for leading humanity astray. The next one is the advanced pre-flood civilization. Another theory, and I was going to get into this in a second or or later on in that earlier thought process, but another theory posits um, that the Nephilim were a part of a highly advanced civilization that existed before the Great Flood as described in various religious texts. 
This theory often includes the belief that the Nephilim possessed advanced technology and knowledge, which was lost in the deluge. Right, so before Noah took all of these species of the world onto his ark and the great flood wiped out everything and everyone that wasn't a part of that ark, which it doesn't seem like the Nephilim were on there. So maybe they were just completely wiped out or put into the oceans with their advanced technologies underwater, right? The same, the same drone-like uh, technology that we're seeing now come out of the water and dive into the water way faster than any technology that we have could just very well be owned by this ancient civilization of the Nephilim. Right. It's just different sounds from your mouth speaking the same thing. Right. When we talk about the difference between aliens and, and angels. Right. Like, how do we not know that these are interconnected philosophical, you know, conversations that are just the same thing. Right. Spiritual or symbolic interpretation. Some theorists propose that the Nephilim should not be understood literally as physical beings, but rather symbolically or spiritually. In this view, they represent certain spiritual truths or conditions, such as the struggle between good and evil or the consequences of moral decay. And then the hidden influence on humanity. Some conspiracy theories suggest the Nephilim or their descendants have been invisible forces guiding or influencing human history. This could include secret societies, controlling elite groups, or other hidden powers that trace their lineage back to these beings. Damn. Right? Um, and so this conspiracy theory suggests that the Nephilim, because I asked it, you know, we got into more history on that when I was doing this research, and that's the hidden influence on Human history was a super interesting one to me, which says that the conspiracy uh, theory suggests that the Nephilim or the descendants have been a hidden influence in humanity is quite elaborate and blends elements of mythology, history, speculative, and, and speculation, essentially. It says secret lineage and bloodlines. This aspect of theory poses that the Nephilim or their direct descendants have maintained a secret bloodline throughout the human history. Right, you want to talk about the six secret you know, royal bloodlines, the same reason that the royalty, you know, the shape-shifting reptilians of <laughs> their crown have so much, you know, so much incest inside of their family is because they're trying to keep their bloodline pure. Keep their blood, what part of your bloodline pure from what, right? So the idea behind the ancient royal bloodlines is that this is exactly this, and I've talked about this before, and it's a crazy theory, but it makes sense in this context, which is the idea that there was some sort of being here prior that breeded bred with humanity and through those lineages they wanted to keep their bloodline pure as pure as possible so they engaged in incest so that they weren't breeding with outside sources and muddying the power of their bloodline what else would make sense about that you know you look at the history of the the royal families right and it's not secret lineage bloodlines like we know who these people are at least most of them um uh, but these bloodlines are intermingled with royal aristocratic. The proponents of the idea often claim that these bloodlines have intermingled with royal or aristocratic families, preserving their unique heritage and characteristics across generations. Hmm. Now, the next one says that control and influence on human affairs. This theory suggests that these descendants have played a significant role in shaping historical events and societal structures. This includes the formation of secret societies, influencing political decisions. And guiding the course of civilizations. Theorists sometimes link them to groups like the Freemasons, the Illuminati, or other alleged shadow organizations. Now, I've done deep dives on the Freemasons. Go look up, I think it was my second episode. I did 
the Freemasons and the founding of, of society, our society, right? Talking about how the Freemasons essentially built the United States for what it is today. I, I, I'm a, I mean, this plays perfectly into some of the beliefs that I have surrounding the, you know, the founding of the United States, the Freemasons, the, the influence they had from the, the, the queen and the establishment of the, the banking system within London, the military arm of this society, which is the United States of America and the religious part of this, which, you know, obviously goes back to the Pope, but there's, there's a really interesting theories surrounding that. Now, the next one it goes into is supernatural or superhuman abilities. Some variations of the theory imbue that these descendants with special abilities or knowledge, which they allegedly use to maintain control or influence. These abilities, these abilities, which they allegedly use to maintain control or influence might include advanced intelligence, psychic powers, or other paranormal traits that set them apart from ordinary humans. Next portion of this says the theory includes the idea that the Nephilim or their descendants possess ancient knowledge or wisdom, which is kept hidden from the general public. This could include ancient technology, esoteric spiritual insights, or deep understanding of the universe and its workings. Well, you know, when you go into the Freemasons or the, you know, the Masonic temples that they, they have their own libraries that you're not allowed to read the books within. They do have ancient knowledge within these secret societies that is the fundamental basis of these secret societies is the ancient ancient knowledge that they don't let other people into. That's why, you know, people want to get into them is to learn these things and understand these occult types of, of teachings and information and history that's been rewritten and rewritten and scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed as well. You go into, you know, like, Oxford University, or you go in to be a part of Skull and Bones, like the Bush family, and you're let into this club where now you know the inner workings. Now you're a part of this power arm, and now you get put into positions of power by the people that were a part of these organizations. Like, I don't know how far this ties into the Nephilim, but apparently it does. <laughs> like, I didn't have that background knowledge. And the next one is end times prophecies. In some interpretations, particularly within certain religious circles, the Nephilim are linked to the end time prophecies. According to this view, this return of the emergence of their powers will play a significant role in the apocalyptic events predicted in religious texts, like the book of Revelations. Interesting. And the last thing that I dove into here was the, <clears throat> the more recent accounts of these things, which is that there's the giant skeletons which have been found, right? The folklore and legends surrounding these giant beings. Um, not sure if it didn't get any examples of those, but that was another portion of it. Modern paranormal and conspiracy theories, which talks about the Nephilim often emerge within the context of paranormal, UFOlogy, and conspiracy theory communities. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then internet and social media, and then explorations and expeditions. So there's been, you know, people who have said that they've dug up these skeletal remains. But anyways, some of the cooler stories that have come out of this, like actual stories from these, was that there was a the giant of Kadahar. Kandahar, which says there's a relatively recent story that emerged from the American soldiers in Afghanistan. And according to the tale, a unit encountered a giant in the remote area of Afghanistan in 2002. The giant was described as being over 12 feet tall, red-haired, and extremely hostile. The soldiers reportedly killed the giant in a firefight. What? 
This story has been widely circulated in conspiracy and paranormal circles, though there is no verifiable evidence. Verifiable evidence. What? I have never heard of that. We needed to look at that shit. What? The giant of Kandahar, Afghanistan soldiers fought a 12-foot red-headed giant? Wow. Okay, so there's a fun one to look into. The next one is the Cardiff Giant, which is the famous 19th century hoax of the United States. Okay, let's preempt it with that. The 1869, a 10-foot-tall purported petrified giant was unearthed in Cardiff, New York. It created this sensation that was exhibited by as a genuine prehistoric relic. Eventually, it was revealed to be a carved stone figure, the creation of a New York taba tobacconist named George Hull. Despite being a hoax, the story remains a fascinating example of American folklore. The next one is the Lovelock Cave Giants. According to Peyute, Peyute, oral history, a tribe of red-haired giants known as the Sidekin, were said to live in a Lovelock Cave in Nevada, which would align perfectly with the uh, Kanahar giant that they mentioned. Um, legends say that these giants were hostile and cannibalistic. Eventually, the Peyutes trapped them in the cave and set it on fire. Some proponents of the Nephilim theory connect these legends to their beliefs. However, archaeological findings in Lovelock Cave do not support the existence of such giants. Yeah, thanks, because they wouldn't be there still. Um, there's the Patagonian giants, which was in Europe, and the alleged giant in Castanau, C-A-S-T-E-I-N-A-U. In the late 19th century, purported enormous human bones were discovered by a French anthropologist with the sentiment of France. These bones were thought to be some that belonged to a human of extraordinary size. While the authenticity are debated, they fueled speculation about the existence of ancient giants. Dun, dun, dun. And there you have it, folks. That is the background on the Nephilim. Today, biblically, historically, conspiracy, I got you. All right. So do some research. Love to hear your thoughts on it. I appreciate you guys from the bottom of my heart. I hope you have a wonderful day. Subscribe, leave a five-star review, check out the Substack, austinadams.substack.com. I love you, and have a great day. Adams Archive.